Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, I don't know about you. I don't know how it is in Jersey, but let me tell you something. Over here in New York, I can't even open my door. There's so much to know, I can't even open my door. So an act, you're actually snowed in. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. That reminds me of the time Buffalo got like a real bad snowstorm a few years ago. And then like NFL countdown, they had one of the Buffalo Bills players like open his door and he, he literally could not get out. <laughs> okay. It's definitely not as bad as Buffalo. I'd imagine they, they, they definitely <laughs> no. had a lot, at least two or three feet. They got I, mean, I, I could open my door if I tried, but there, there's, there's a good amount of snow in the way. Yeah. No, it's not looking good here either. I'm working from home. So that'll be a real plus. Yeah, you know, I, I had no idea snow days were a real thing after school. After your schooling years are done, you actually still get snow days sometimes. Yeah, I was shocked as well. I was actually happy that my manager would allow me to work from home in this instance. But I, I feel like that in a, in a major case like this, you know, where there's actually a lot of snow, I feel like snow days are real. But if it's like just a couple inches, you, you got to go. Who cares? <laughs> also, if you work in the city... You're going no matter what. I feel oh. terrible for them. Whoever oh, yeah. works in the city. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about those people. God, God bless. <laughs> but if you're at Villanova, I mean, snow days, they say that they're rare, but I, I didn't feel that way when we were at college. I felt like we had at least 10. Well, I feel like sophomore year accounted for 90% of those. Well, yeah, sophomore year <laughs> definitely accounted for 90% of that. Yeah, it's snowpocalypse. But Whatever. you got to enjoy this, man. I. I remember my favorite thing was playing snow football, football mm-hmm. in the snow, yeah. coming out in my knee-high socks and shorts. <laughs> and <running> pants. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The classic Eugene combo. Somehow you never got sick. Yeah, somehow I never got sick. And I'm not going to lie, I also wore, like, four sweatshirts underneath my jacket. One for added, added protection, but also it kept me warm because we were out there for, like, three hours a day. Oh yeah, the the yeah the glory days of sophomore year were literally it was almost practically every other weekend we had a snowball. <sighs> Fun times. Yeah, no build, snowballs a, now. build a snowman, have snowball fights, whatever whatever you need to do over there. But I definitely had fun doing snow football in shorts and knee high socks. Mm-hmm. And as did I, except I was not in shorts or knee high socks. I actually dressed appropriately. If there's one thing I'm excited though, snow or no snow. Lots of snow, 
or a hoax. I'm just really stoked that this snowstorm missed my flight for Friday. I saw it on the news the other day, Chris. You have no idea how excited I was. I think I yeah. tweeted about it. Yeah, you did. You, you threw out a nice little gif in there. The, the, the Drake clapping at the Raptors game. GIF. Okay. Yeah, I, I did put that GIF. I wasn't sure if that was a Raptors game. Yeah, he was at some Raptors game because, you know, he's a big Raptors fan now Now that he announced to the world that he's from Toronto. So you never know what game that's from because he's always going to all these different teams. <laughs> he's dapping up everyone. You know, right. one day it's Toronto. Then the next day he's, he's repping Golden State. And then the next day he's at Kentucky Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Midnight Madness, warm in the jumpsuit just for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is the original Die Easy. He is the most Die Easy fan that there is in the game. He is. He starts up a lot of bandwagons, kind of, kind of like you. <laughs> oh yeah, except I do it for the most mundane things. He does it for like teams. And yeah, that's true. And he also has trillions of followers. So yeah, so his, <laughs> yeah, his bandwagon, yeah, his bandwagons <laughs> gain a lot more traction than mine do. Unfortunately, you you'll get there. Don't worry. But yeah, man, I'm I'm just really excited that it will be missing my flight. I will be going to the Windy City on a business trip. <laughs> going out to the Midwest. Never been there before. Mm-hmm. Yes, tell the people about your trip. I'm going to Chi-Town. Going to Chicago for a conference, and I'm also going to cover Villanova DePaul while I'm there. So oh, I get to see the Allstate Arena, and it's. Wonderful glory. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I've always said that, well, I, I can't say I, I've always said this, but about a couple months ago, I, I was thinking back to our trip to Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I should, I should do this more often. I should use my job as like a passport to go to places I've never been before and ex- explore different cities, see what it's like in different parts of the country or, and hopefully one day the world. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity presented itself. I was asked. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've never been there. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll hook it up. Oh, now I can't say no. Now, <laughs> if you're going right. to say it like that, oh, you got me. You sold me right away. Yeah, got to go for it. Yeah, the, the perks of being a reporter, is, that, that's actually pretty cool. I wish I could travel to Chicago and stuff and instead of just staying in Bergen County the entire time. So last time, we said the Cats were going to win by 15. Well, you did. At least I did. I think that was the number I spewed out. Yeah, you did. You gave, it, easy, you gave but- an exact number. If there's one thing we agreed on, it was going to be a pretty easy win at the Pavilion. Mm-hmm. For a long while, that seemed to be right, Chris. But then I blinked, and all of a sudden, that <laughs> nice, pushy lead evaporated. Mm-hmm. And then I had horrible flashbacks to the Marquette loss. All the Golden Eagle fans storming the court. Now, Villanova did ultimately win, pushing their Pavilion win streak to 48. They beat the Hoyas. They held off their late comeback attempt. But talk to me, Chris. What did you think about this game? You know, for the for the diehard listeners to this ep, uh, this show, they, they would think that this game would set me off and get me angry. And past history would suggest that it would. But I, I'm really not that mad. We still won by 11. I know the actual game kind of said otherwise. It, it kind of felt a lot closer than that. But it's, it's this is just becoming a weekly tradition. It, it's like how our freshman and junior year, every Tuesday, it was guaranteed to rain. Well, now every Tuesday, we're guaranteed to go up by 15 to 20 points and then proceed to blow the lead in the Big East. It, it's, it's how it is. It, it is concerning that we aren't able to keep the foot our foot on the pedal from start to finish. I hate how 
we always come out flat in one half and great in the next. And it's literally flip a coin as to which half is going to be bad and which one half is going to be good. I liked how Josh Hart played in the first half. He looked like a national player of the year winner, not just candidate winner. And then in the second half, he looked like he should be playing in the slack. So I don't get it. I don't get why this team changes so much. I don't know why we don't have that killer instinct. Chalk it up to leadership or just chalk it up to a bunch of flukes put together in a row. But I don't think it's a fluke anymore with these type of choke choke jobs. I think we're actually seeing a trend here that I really hope doesn't rear its ugly head come March. No, I definitely feel that we've seen slow starts be a problem. We've also seen taking the foot off the gas a little bit too early be a problem. And Georgetown rallied back with a 17-4 run that was sparked by the play of LJ Peak and Rodney Pryor, both of which enjoyed 20-point performances. Mm-hmm. Josh Hart, he was a little frosty in the second half, but he did have that big three that really sparked that Nova run to pull away at the very end. Yeah, he did He did throw the dagger. I'll give him that. He also finished with 26 points. 26 points, pretty good. Yeah, majority came in the first half, though. You know who else did well? I, I, I think I know where we're going with this. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> it. It's a guy who's starting to get his own bandwagon on the show. Oh, oh no. No way. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Dante DiVincenzo. Ever since he had that game-winning tip-in against Virginia, Chris, he's played on a whole new level, and he's continued to play very well off the bench, kipping in a 15.6 rebound performance against the Hoyas. Yeah, he had a solid game, and he, he looked like he was flying all over the court the other night, like actually flying. I forget who had the vine. I think it was Kim Adams. She had a perfectly timed vine of it, and Dante came flying in for a rebound off a miss for a putback dunk, and it was just the coolest thing to see like live and that close. I, I don't know. You get a more of an appreciation for it. So that was pretty cool, and I'm, I'm really liking the way he's playing lately. Yeah, Dante has been playing very well. I mean, he's a guy that we were definitely on. We admit wholeheartedly we're not going to take any of that back. We're not going to pretend like it never happened. No, we did not like him for But the first half of the season was a little abysmal. Mm-hmm. But it definitely looks like he's starting to get more comfortable. And at a very important time, too, as we get closer to the home stretch of the regular season. Right, exactly. We need him to be... You know, even though he's the second guy coming off the bench, we need him to play better than that because of such a thin rotation and because of the poor play of others. Speaking of poor play of others, Chris Jenkins, well, he right right back to his old ways. <laughs> yeah, we, he was benched against St. John's, 15-point game against the Johnnies. Jay, after the game, said he liked what he saw and that he was definitely going to be back for the Georgetown game. And there he was, part of the starting five, nine points, three of seven shooting, Four rebounds and half of the team's turnovers with four. What did you think about Mr. Jenkins? It wasn't a a bad performance, but it wasn't a great performance either. You don't like to see the high turnovers, though, four turnovers. That's not good at all. And at the end, he seemed to be very gun-shy and very out of it. It seemed that he kind of wanted the offense to go revolve around Jalen and Josh. You know, and I'm, I'm all for it. That's fine, but... When you're a senior who's, you know, has a 
clutch pedigree and I admittedly hasn't been playing great this year, but he's been, he's had great games this year. He's very shy from the ball. He seems to be just standing in the corner, kind of letting everything happen. I mean, I don't know if that's him just not being aggressive or that's just the play Jay's calling from the bench. I I don't know. So that's concerning because I want to see him get involved late in these games, regardless if he's playing well or not, because he's a senior and I trust him. And as much as I love Bridges and as much as I love Jalen Brunson, I'd rather see the ball in Josh and Jenkins' hands than Brunson and Bridges. I'm actually glad you brought that up. That is something that I really haven't thought about that much. You know, he has been a little gun shy. And I don't, like you said, I don't know if it's because of that's how the place is on. I don't know if the schemes that they're running on that certain possession were meant to favor Josh Hart or or Jalen Brunson. The other thing is, too, is this a sign of a loss of confidence or wavering confidence? Yeah, I, I think it is. Confidence to him is like fuel. Mm-hmm. And we saw that last year. We definitely saw that, especially late in the season throughout the whole tournament. Big East tournament. You see him flexing. You see him screaming. You see him getting really into it. You see him getting pumped up. You don't really see that that much anymore. No, yeah. He's been very timid with that whole thing. And yeah, just like we were saying last year, that that shot against Miami from practically near half court, I th- that kind of like sparked him. I felt like in that tournament, he just needs to hit one of those big shots. I think a clutch shot to get everything going, and I feel like he'll get his confidence back. But he had a couple of clutch threes against Virginia, and that and one of them really erupted the entire crowd. So I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I you're right. I agree with you that confidence is his biggest factor, especially for a sharpshooter. But I'm just not exactly sure as to why he hasn't been able to piece it together. If we look back at last year, the first half of the season especially, he was pretty cold. He wasn't doing that much. His scoring mm-hmm. numbers were okay, but they weren't the greatest. Mm-hmm. But then the second half of the season, he was playing at levels that no one thought he had in him. Or at least the world hadn't seen him play at that level yet. Right, yeah, it just seemed that like the Big East kind of just woke him up a little bit and turned on, uh, turned on the engines. But and we were saying it throughout the entire year that we thought the same thing this year. We thought that once Big East play starts, we'll get right back into it, no big deal. But here we are in the middle of February. Georgetown, the credit to them, honestly. Yeah, to come back to not roll over rivalry game at the Pavilion after that crazy morning they had with that terrible bus accident car accident and they just come in and it looked like they're gonna roll over but they 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 really made it real close real close yeah they did they did not die which i was fully expecting to when nova was up i think it was 15 at one point at like late in the second half and uh rodney Pryor was the spearheaded that he is good real good and he was diving all over the place you know they care they really cared, and they actually started off the game pretty well, and then obviously Nova kind of took off with it. I think that was kind of a good case of foreshadowing because, like you said, they got off a – they were just coming off a huge accident on the, the interstate coming down or coming up to Villanova to play the game, come into the pavilion and basically throw the first punch and connect. And then obviously they got – and Nova came back. But then at the end, they were throwing punches left and right. And, you know, Nova wasn't able to respond until the Josh Hart three at the end. Yeah, it was it was honestly crazy. Rodney Pryor, going into the season, I, I previewed him a little bit for Big East Coast Bias. And, yeah, he was this guy who had this crazy path to getting to a great conference, play some high-level basketball, started at two different community colleges, goes to Robert Morris, puts up crazy numbers there. 
But it's like, oh, okay, it's you know, it's Robert Morris. They don't really play at a tough conference. He has the same exact numbers that he had last year in a terrible conference to one of the best conferences around. And that just blows my mind how well he's playing right now. Yeah, really. He's he, it's such a great story and he he's he's got a real smooth stroke too. From a, especially from a lefty. I, I don't know. I like the way he shoots and Whenever he shot the ball, I, I was not happy with it because I had a feeling it was going in. I think he hit that clutch three from the corner, I think, to cut it within five at some point. And I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the most predictable three. Yep. Yeah, and of that course, was, it's him. Yeah, that was and him. yeah he, he's he's a real good player. I, I mean, obviously, I'd wish Nova would have get him. He might just be my favorite Georgetown player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to say What? What? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, Patrick Ewing, uh, DSR. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the ones that, that that I've seen. Okay, Roy Hibbert, DSR. No, no, no. I hated Hibbert. I hated DSR. Hibbert. Hibbert was like basically the basketball version of Grimace, and just stood under the net and just did nothing. I hated him, but he got like twenty points a game. Hollis Thompson, try Otto Porter, try. He was good at Georgetown. No, he's trash in the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Devontae um, Smith Rivera. I don't even know who that is. No, I know who that is. I, I, and he never really sparked. He never really impressed you. No, I'd like prior. I'm not lefty, but I, I just I like lefties when playing basketball. It's it's like with baseball. I love seeing lefties swing more than righties. I I like lefties shooting more. I guess that's why I have an infatuation with Jalen Brunson as well. But hey, Rodney Prime, the best Georgetown player Chris has ever seen in his life. Favorite, not best. Oh, sorry, favorite. That's like saying like I have a favorite Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, that's so, weird. This is just weird. This is definitely not where I expected this conversation to go. I neither did I, but I just watching it last night. I'm like, I like this guy. I like him a lot. You know, I don't feel too concerned. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a pretty close game when it goes back to the Verizon Center. For some reason, the games there just happen to be tough, no matter how good or bad Georgetown's mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. We'll get to that game a little later, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was pretty close. Yeah, that's the last regular season game of the year. So back-to-back years, we close out with Georgetown, this time on the road. Yeah, like you said, those games there are always tough, and you just never know. And with the last game of regular season, maybe Nova has everything locked up, and they just kind of got waltz through that one. <laughs> so who knows? It'll be a tough game. You know, our thoughts go out to Georgetown basketball. I saw John Thompson the third was limping around on Tuesday. He banged up his knee from the accident, and we hope that you know they're okay. And also the other people who were involved in the accident too. We hope that they end up okay as well. Thoughts yeah. and prayers go out to them. Yeah. Did you see the picture of the accident? There, that that it, uh, the other car got real looked, jacked up. It, yeah, it looked scary. I feel like if something bad happened, I feel like we would have known by now. So I, I think everyone's okay. I mean, it's still scary all around. We got a pretty big update after the game on. Numero Cinco, junior guard, Phil Booth. Now, we've talked about him before. We've done some speculating. Everyone's done some speculating. Whether or not he's going to return, is he going to redshirt, is he going to sit out? Well, we got we got some more answers behind Booth. Jay's been a little quiet. But he finally came out and gave a lot more information regarding his situation on Tuesday night after the Georgetown game. Kayla Smith was there to scoop up some deets. Mm-hmm. And... Well, the Sparkados version, Chris, is that it's not looking so good. Yeah, I saw that last night. Or the other night, not last night, the other night. Here's a quote from Jay. Quote, he's working every day to try to get to where we can at least practice him. He went full court the other day, 
and came up sore the next day. You know, full court, working out, not with the team, just on his own. And he came up sore the next day, so we had to rest him for two or three days, end quote. He's practicing, not even, you know, full team practices, just on his own. And he's getting, he's coming up hurt. Yeah. How much does this concern you? What are your thoughts on this update? Um, this, this concerns me to the utmost degree, to the point now where I'm, I'm, I, I would even tell him, just, just take the year off, get surgery, whatever, whatever, talk to a doctor, you're, you're the Nova doctor, whatever he suggests, go with what he has to say, surgery, or just plain rest. I think it's time to give up. You're not even going at game speed and you're doing your own private workouts and you're, you still need two to three days to recover your knee after a workout. That's bad. That's, that shows like, that could be like long-term bad, maybe career threatening. I I don't want to say anything because I'm not, I'm not a doctor obviously, but you, you see stuff like that and you just don't know. And the fact that it's not like a ligament or anything and it's just constant fluid buildup and just constant pain. I can only imagine the hell he's going through. I think it's time that Jay and company accept the fact that we're going to be a seven man team right now with the possibility to expand the eight if Dylan Painter gets any minutes. But Phil Booth, please, for the sake of your health and for the sake of your long-term basketball career, redshirt. <laughs> uh, here's kind of been a little timeline of the events. So April 4, he drops 20 against North Carolina. Top score in that game. Yes. Always kind of goes under the radar for me. Yeah, everyone forgets about that. You know what? The shot was beautiful, but Phil Booth dropped 20 and was like 6 of 7. Yep, he was, the Harold, he was the Harold Jensen equivalent. Exactly one month later, he undergoes a successful arthroscopic knee surgery, gets a procedure done to drain his knees. We knew it was a lingering problem throughout last year. So he gets mm-hmm. it taken care of. Looks pretty good. Comes back. Is actually in the starting lineup now after playing off the bench in the title run. Plays three games, and we haven't seen him since November, mid-November. Yeah, it's It's been a while. And like we kept saying all year, that, oh, it'll be this game he comes back. Oh, it'll be this time frame he'll be back. No, he's not coming back. And I don't think he should. Yeah, there's just something about, you know, if you're not healthy at this point in the season, February. Yeah. The Big East tournament is literally a month away. Right. I don't think it's worth it to come back. Save the year. Exactly. You're just burning a year of eligibility. Yep. Now, Jay didn't disclose too much information in regards to a medical redshirt. He doesn't exactly know how that process works. And I'm not, you know, I feel like that's one of those things where I don't even think I know how it works. I feel like it's just, you know, you you ask the NCAA, yeah, we want this medical redshirt, and just like the NCAA on all its rulings, they <laughs> they spin a roulette, uh, they roll the <laughs> dice, flip a coin, pull out a magic eight ball, ask it a question: Should we give Phil Booth eligibility or not? Basically, respond to what the magic eight ball says. <laughs> I mean, that would be the only logical explanation. But I feel like Jay does know how it works because he did it with Dante last year. So uh, I feel like he's lying a little bit. That Dante was said, also early in the season, though. That was, like, decided, I felt, earlier. That, well, that's true. Can you imagine if the NCAA says, no, he can't redshirt? If that happens, Chris, we're going to send a letter 
We're gonna we're gonna share this letter with our listeners, and it's basically gonna say Dylan Ennis was injured. His what should have been his final year of eligibility, and somehow they granted him a sixth year for Oregon. And if you cannot give Phil Booth an extra year, then I don't know what to tell you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan Ennis has been playing since we were in like preschool, but <laughs> it's okay. That's a okay. I'm trying to think of a cool hashtag for it. The protest. Everyone's protesting nowadays. We should protest the NCAA. Oh, let's let's not go that far. We don't know what they'll do to us. We don't know what they'll do to us. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, you wanted Omari back next year? Oh, let's look up. Let's look for some uh, technicality that you guys broke. <laughs> right. <laughs> it says here we don't have any evidence. Phil Booth completed kindergarten or went to preschool. <laughs> can, we, can we call your mother and fish out? The dinky certificate they give you for completing preschool. Yeah, <laughs> the certificate. This certificate certifies that Philip Booth has colored inside the lines. There you go. Now I have no experience playing Division One basketball, obviously, but as someone who's been injured a lot mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, I can tell you that it's definitely frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for Phil Booth. You know, I've been fortunate that during my athletic career. In high school, I, I never got a serious injury. It didn't happen until after I was done playing. But when you go back or you try to work back and you can't do things the same way, like I can't go to the gym and bench press 250 like I used to, or mm-hmm. I, I can't do certain exercises anymore because it'll rip my shoulder apart. <laughs> or when I shoot a jump, I can't shoot jump shots anymore when I play pickup basketball because my shoulder feels funny. So I got to play mm-hmm. inside. It's got to be scary for Phil Booth. He's trying to, he's doing all these workouts and he's right. trying to get back into it. And he's trying to do these drills without the team, maybe half speed, slower speed, and he can't do it. That's demoralizing. And that I can't empathize with and that I can't relate with and that I can talk about because it's scary when you're used to playing at this level and then all of a sudden injury changes all that. And now you can't do things certain ways or you can't do things as well as you used to. So it's definitely not easy for him. I think he needs to sit out. I think he needs to medical redshirt, get an MRI or whatever is fully. Let's get a full thorough examination of what's wrong with this knee. Let's diagnose the issue and hopefully we can fix it, get it fixed. Doctors will finally cope with a permanent solution because so far it seems like we've been putting band-aids on it. I think he needs to shut it down before he gets hurt anymore because then that would be a lot more demoralizing than it is now. Right. Perfectly said. So when the news came out of Phil Booth or the further news came out about Phil Booth, Big East Coast Bias, we were having a meeting, we were talking, and someone brought up that it's kind of a hot take, but they do not think Phil Booth will play at all next season and that he might not even play for – that this might be the end of his career. How much do you buy that? Oof. Well, I mean, I brought it up before that this – from the sounds of it, like this is the type of stuff that might end your career, but I don't know if I completely buy it. Can I like half buy it? Can I do that? that yeah, allowed? you can. You can half buy it. I mean, I I half buy it too. I buy. Yeah, I think there is some truth to it, but I I don't think I, I don't think he'll allow himself to end his career. Like I this. don't I don't think it's a career ender. I mean, I could be totally yeah. wrong. We don't know what exactly is wrong with this knee. I can see whatever procedure needs to happen. Considering the magnitude, it's your knee. I mean, that's a very major joint, especially when you're running, cutting, dunking, jumping on a daily basis at a very strenuous level. I can see him sitting out next year as part of even, recovery. Even next year? 
I can honestly Oof. see him sitting out next year. Not going to lie. Oof. He should just call it now and get the surgery as soon as possible. Well, that's – yeah, I agree with that. He should definitely tomorrow, like, go under a knife. But apparently, like, surgery might not even be his best option. Apparently, rest is. And then if that's the case, then next year might not even happen there. If rest is the best option, uh-huh. doesn't that kind of take us back to where we are now? Right. Like, in this because he – you know, he didn't really have an intensive surgery done or a procedure done to his knee, and it's still lingering. It's still a problem for him. We haven't seen him play in months. Is rest really the best option? Yeah, I guess not, then. And, and the, the thing that sucks with this injury, it's not like a torn ligament. Like, if you tore your ACL like well, every other point guard in the Big East is doing nowadays, at least you know what it is. You get the procedure done, and you're back within, what, nine, ten months? This This is just... It's just there. It's just, it's just staying there. Unless if you're Lingering. Kyle Lowry, you come back in like two. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. But he's, he's uh, that, that's honestly abilities. like a one in a million. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I'd rather him, uh, not that I wish injury upon anyone, but I'd rather if he had just tore something in his knee and was on the path to recovery right now, at least we know. At least we know what it is. This, this it's like one day he's fine. The next day he has to sit out two to three days because he ran to. It's terrible. It's sad. It's sad to try to see him come back. I mean, Jay has pretty much said that the decision for what he wants to do is up to him. He's letting Phil Booth decide what direction his career will take in regards to rehabbing or treating this knee, which I, I do like. I like that you know Jay isn't forcing him too much, but right. you know it's, it's sad to see him try to do these workouts, try to get back in shape, or try to get on the court. He's By all reports, he seems to be really trying consistently to get back there, but his knee just continues to hold him back. It really is a shame. I wish the best for him moving forward, though. Yeah, you know, I just hope that whatever examination is finally done on it, that it's not like, oh, it's actually a lot worse than we thought it was, or it's gotten to a point where it's really bad, it needs this and this done. Right. I see where he's coming from, really trying to hit the court, but you don't want to make it worse. I've I've made that. I've made things worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's the worst thing. It's it's terrible. It's beyond terrible. It's beyond demoralizing. We'll certainly keep an eye on Phil Booth moving forward. I'm sure though there will be much more news coming out as to what his official decision is. He hasn't made one yet, but I'm sure he'll have to make one very soon. So next up for Nova is a pretty big weekend in the Midwest. Xavier first on Saturday. Then when they're done with that, they're going to head over to Chicago, play to Paul. What do you think about Xavier? They look a little different than last time we saw them. What do you think about the Muskies? Well, I think the big the big difference here, and, I mean, you can you probably agree with this, Edmund Sumner, done for the year. ACL tear, horrible. You know I mean, I think you, didn't you see that live? Weren't you covering the game in which that happened? Yeah. yeah, I was at MSG. was Xavier at St. John's, and I was watching it. And there's always something that's really concerning about those non-contact injuries when the person goes down and then they come up and they can barely put weight on that affected body part. Mm-hmm. And it just it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. Yeah, it's one. Of, it was one of those injuries where you just knew. Yeah, go back to Xavier. So Trayvon Blewett, he's absolutely – once Sumner went down, he had a 40-point game against Cincinnati – I mean, unfortunately for Xavier, they lost that game in a heated rivalry game over in Ohio. But he he's exploded ever since Sumner went out. He's had to take on the brunt of the scoring duty because outside of Makura, they, they got really no other options. And it, it sucks because last year they were really good. They were, what, they 
six, seven guys deep that could easily drop 10 a night, no problem. Um, this isn't last year's Xavier team. I mean, this was, I mean, just look at their schedule. They've only beaten one ranked team all year. And it was Creighton this past weekend at Creighton. So that's kind of surprising. They couldn't even beat Butler at Cintas. And I, I thought they certainly would do that, but they weren't able to. So comparing this to last year, this game does not scare me as much. It doesn't even concern me that much going into this year because in the preseason show, we I, I had them losing this game. I don't know if you did. I think you did. Yeah, I had them losing at Centaur Center. I thought that they were going to beat them at the Pavilion, which they did. And then I had them losing at the Centaur Center, but now not so much. Yeah, no, it's it's a whole different team. I mean, they're 24th right now, but kind of feel like they're a little bit worse than what they actually are. I mean, I'd like to see them do well just for the sake of the Big East, but it's like what, what you can only do so much with your top point guard out and a really good one <laughs> in that in that fact, and especially when he's only one of your three legitimate scoring options so because of that i'm actually going to change my preseason pick i think villanova is going to go into Cintas and steal this one yeah i think they they come away with the dub very big change from going to edmund sumner an all-conference type player to a freshman point guard who's still trying to catch the reins of the system i'm sure he didn't expect to be thrusted into such a big role quentin gooden he's done okay so far but he's no edmund sumner Right, you can only do so much to replace a guy of Sumner's caliber. Xavier's three and one since Sumner's in their injury, so I mean, I guess you can say they've recovered well from it, and the, with the one loss being against ranked Cincinnati. But I mean, they really haven't had any other tests besides Cincinnati since then. And what a great test you got with number two Villanova coming into your home arena. It's crazy. It's definitely crazy. How much of this team has changed from last year? And we were yeah. expecting them to be such a a really big heavyweight. They've kind of fallen off a little bit. They're definitely not right. as good as they were last year, but they're still pretty solid. Yeah, like solid team. Probably, what are you thinking, like 5-6 line in the tournament? Maybe with a few Big East tournament wins, they can get up to the 4 line? Yeah, I would yeah. I would agree with that completely. But Yeah, last year they were a 2, and think coming into this year, I think we were thinking they were going to challenge Villanova for the Big East regular season title. I mean, they're sitting in second place now, tied with Butler at 8-4, and four, but... And, if they win against Villanova, they'll be only a game behind, but you thought it'd be a lot closer now. The the two-game gap seems a lot bigger than it, than it is. Yeah, I know a lot of people say that the Big East is so wide open, but I feel like the ACL injuries to Maurice Watson Jr. and Creighton and mm-hmm. Edmund Sumner and Xavier, I think it's really taken away from the league. Yeah, You don't really see these guys were amazing, especially Mo Watson Jr. That Creighton team is not the same. No, and I feel like Creighton and Xavier were robbed of two very promising seasons. And I think also in that, it's just confirmed to me more that Villanova will probably win the Big East again this year. Yeah, most definitely. And just kind of on an unrelated point, Marquette's fallen off the wagon too, completely. They sold their soul. They sold their soul to beat Villanova. Even when you thought, you know, Xavier was riding high and Creighton was riding high and Marquette was on the upswing and you're thinking, hey, Big East can send six teams with five of them being like real legitimate contenders. Now now it's looking like Villanova and maybe Butler and then everyone else. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, all this Big East talk kind of a while away from, mm-hmm. you know, until we get to that point. But mm-hmm. I do think this will be a dub. You think this will be a dub. Game is this Saturday at 2.30. After that, Villanova will head over to the Windy City. I'll be heading over to the Windy City for this one. <laughs> Villanova DePaul. Yes. Yeah, baby. Now, 
We all know what happened last time. DePaul was one basket away from, <laughs> just like Georgetown, one basket away, except they were little, this one came down to the last second. And it's DePaul, so this should never happen. This is, it's actually like losing. Yeah. But DePaul was one basket away, or a couple of baskets really, from winning and stunning Nova at the Pavilion. Now they get them on their home court. Do you see DePaul finishing business on Monday night? Nah. Nah. I, I, I can't. No. I can't see that. I, mean, I feel like the Paul played the their bet, absolute best against Villanova uh, at the beginning of Big East play and still couldn't win. It would take an absolute Herculean performance from them and an absolutely horrible performance by Nova. <laughs> like, that's the only way I can see this happening. They have caused some concern for some teams, though. They actually gave Butler a real good game. It was in the Paul. It was at the Paul. I think they only lost by one, and I think they had a chance to tie. I think they missed a free throw at the end, or Butler hit two at the line. I forget how that game ended, but they gave Butler scare, and then they beat Providence. So that's not that's not exactly a bad win. So they 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 have the capabilities of doing it, but I I just. It's just, I don't think. I don't think it's gonna happen either. Don't know what it is, but I feel like Jay Wright's not gonna let that happen again. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Especially when the message from one of your recent games was, "Let's not take the foot off the gas pedal," or "Let's not start slow." <laughs> play, play a whole complete game, and I mean, Xavier's gonna give you trouble just because of the nature of that game. But I feel like if you want to talk about a pole to pole dominating performance. Like this, this is the type of game you get back on track with that and see if you can actually keep your foot on the pedal the entire game. Will there be more Villanova fans in attendance to root on Jalen Brunson, the hometown kid, or Sorry. will DePaul win? Will they keep <laughs> home court advantage? Uh, <laughs> I guess there will be 10 Villanova fans there and then there will be nine DePaul fans. So I'm going with Villanova. How many fans did they get a game? I, I don't even want to look it up. I don't even know, but I do remember... In Jalen Brunson's like homecoming, it, there were a lot of there were a lot of Nova fans out there, or Jalen Brunson fans at least. Really, I don't, I didn't, I didn't remember that. It's funny you pointed that out. Yeah, it was a big wow. thing to for like a lot of the Chicagoans to go check out their prodigal son, not Billy Gary, <laughs> not he, Billy Gary. He, he's still bad. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Jay's going for his 500th win this weekend, so he'll either get it at the Cintas Center if he fails. He'll probably get it at DePaul. If he doesn't beat Xavier on Saturday and he beats DePaul on Monday, does 500 really count? So are you saying it's like 499.5 because it's DePaul? Yeah, that's what I'm going for there. I'm sorry. That's a terrible joke. <laughs> All Big East teams matter. All, yeah, Big East teams matter. <laughs> Big East is a tough conference. Everyone's tough, Chris. Every win Everyone. is hard fought, especially on the road, Chris. That's what Jay told me. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Whoops. You gotta have attitude to win these road games because it's a very um. tough conference. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, Chris. I'm not gonna lie. There's a, a little bit of me, a tiny bit, hmm. and I, I'm not gonna put a number on the percentage, but I will guarantee that it's less than ten. That <laughs> wants to see Villanova lose on Saturday, so I can Ooh. be there for five hundred on Monday. <laughs> oh. Boy. I already, Chris, hey. you have no idea. I've been thinking about the story that I'm going to write about this. And mm-hmm. then when I saw that I was going to miss it by one game, I was so sad. Yeah, that that is unfortunate. 
But hey, if they do one on Saturday, then you can get the first win on the second 500 on his quest for a thousand. You can say you were there if he does ever get to a thousand. So there's something for that, at least, right? That's a nice consolation prize. Yeah, hey. I witnessed the halfway mark. Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 fine, I guess. But that would be pretty. That, that I mean, I don't want to see Nova lose on Saturday, but if you can be there and maybe score like an exclusive 500th victory interview with them. For Big East Coast bias, that'd be pretty nice as well. I will guarantee that we will talk about win number five hundred on Tuesday. <laughs> Actually, uh, we'll, man, we'll be podcasting. I'll be podcasting on the road. Oh wow, this is gonna be great! Oh, we get a roadie episode. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna test out that new technology that we tried out when I was sick with the flu and you didn't want to be in the same room, right? Which I don't blame you because germs, germs are yes. killer. Germs are bad. But now we get to try it long distance. Real long distance, like states, states apart distance. This is going to be fun. Real fun. You'll be in a Chicago hotel room and I'll be in my New Jersey house. <laughs> yeah, I'll be freezing <laughs> over there. I, I hear it's really cold there. I honestly, I've, I've decided to look up some stuff because I, I am looking forward to exploring the city. Mm-hmm. But I, I have heard that it gets real cold over there. Yeah, it's, um, it's right on the, the lake there. So have fun. Yeah, I've looked up the temperature, and it says, like, 40, which I'm like, okay, that, that's fine. But then I didn't realize or take into account wind chill, and I'm sure after wind, wind, wind chill, yeah. it's, like, 5. Yeah, that's Chicago's biggest drawback, the wind chill. As a Packer fan, when they always play the Bears, like, you always look for the games in Chicago, and you're like, oh, well, the temperature is only going to be 30-something, which isn't that bad. And then wind chill knocks it to negative because that's just how Chicago operates. I don't know how they do it year in and year out. So we'll be keeping an eye. I mean, I'll be in DePaul. We'll, mm-hmm. I'll watch the, the game at Xavier. I'm sure you will too. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, there are some other sports. And we are finally starting some other spring sports, Chris. We got men's and women's lacrosse. They're back in action on Saturday. <laughs> the men's team is they, – they had a pretty solid season last year. They were ranked in the top ten for a little while. This year, they're coming in at number 16, and they're going to open the year at home versus Monmouth. I don't think the bench mob is going to be in town. Mm, that That's unfortunate. Is there, the men's team is actually good. I was stunned last year as to how well they played. I think they kind of came out of nowhere, too. They did. They did. The other thing is, too, with Monmouth, and we're going to talk about the hardwood a little bit, but you know, everyone's talking about the Monmouth bench mob, like this and that. Where are all these people Ooh. when Henry Lowe and, and Pat Farrell and Nick McMahon were doing some stunts? That's right. That's right. Yeah, the Monmouth Men's Pop got so much attention last year, and that, that really aggravated a lot of Villanova people, especially especially us at the uh, VU Bench Pop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because and, we, we, and the thing we, is, is that, you know, Henry Lowe, Pat, and all them, they, they did it spontaneous. It was all impromptu. Then right. you had... You had Monmouth guys coming in with all these rehearsed, choreographed celebrations. It's like, what's this? This is this isn't cool. I mean, it's kind yeah, of cool, that, but not as cool as impromptu. That's right. Yeah, they were rehearsed. That was the biggest beef with them. I forgot about that actually. Didn't they have the one where they carried like a guy across yes. the bench, like he was a fish or something? Yes, yeah, so they they had a few. They had a few. Then they had the Sistine Chapel one that painting. Oh yeah, that was that that one, but. But Villanova's was from the heart and authentic. And the women's team, they'll be taking on another local school. It's a PA, Bay's alma mater, Bucknell Bison. They're coming to town to play the Lady Glax Cats. 
men's tennis will be in action on Saturday, going up against Wagner College. You know, I, I've heard of Wagner, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know where that is. Neither do I. I was going to ask you where it was. Glad, glad you pointed it out before I asked. <laughs> yeah, then, then we both would look like fools. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the women's basketball team, they got a pretty packed weekend, too, just like the men's team. Mm-hmm. We didn't speak about them last time because they had a kind of a long layover between games. They did. And this this upcoming weekend, they got at St. John's on Friday, and then they're going to head down to South Orange, your favorite place. Uh, to play Seton Hall <laughs> on Sunday. So back a little back to back action on the back road. To back back to back against a relatively good team and a not so good team. But both on the road, so it'll be an interesting test. As we remember, they, they upset the Johnnies last time. Yeah, they Johnny's did. Pavilion. Yeah, they did. And I actually was looking up the, the standings right before we got on air. Nova's actually only a half game behind St. John's. St. John's is fourth. Nova's fifth. I was shocked by that. Yeah, they've really turned it around. They yeah. this, this second half turnaround has been very good for Harry Preda and his girls. Yeah, definitely. They were like, I wasn't expecting anything more than the seller <laughs> at this point. But hey, fifth, and I mean, you're, you're you're being competitive with the teams ahead of you outside of DePaul. So yeah, and you don't have to play in the out bracket or the that you know that first round. You 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 can skip the first day. Oh wait, that's right. Yeah. So as long as they avoid the seven through ten spots. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. But since since we last saw them, they had a crushing loss against Creighton. They lost by three at home in a low scoring affair, forty seven to forty four. They were down by nine. The Cats come back. They get real close by forcing a turnover in the last few seconds of the game, but they could not convert on a Janet Tucker three to send the game to overtime, falling to Creighton after shooting just below thirty percent on the floor that whole night. Adriana Hahn had 15 points. No one else was in double figures. Uh, you know, you, you get one of the better teams in the conference, and that, that game just gets away from you. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty tough. Yeah, especially when you hold them to two points in the first quarter, and then you proceeded to give up, I think it was 22 points in the second quarter. Not good. And then Creighton missed their last 12 field goal attempts in, in the game. And, I mean, that's what allowed Villanova back in it but still couldn't finish the job and it's kind of unfortunate because they've had two bad, not bad losses, but, you know, un- unfortunate losses to Creighton this year when they could have beaten them. It, it kind of rings to the tone of maybe if you get them in the Big East tournament, you'll finally get them on that third try. Yeah, only time will tell. But they mm-hmm. did bounce back against Providence, winning 61-43. to Alex Loon mm-hmm. with 14-9, and Mary Gadaka with 10, Janet Tucker with 10. Always good to bounce back. Especially Providence. Providence was looking like one of the better teams, but they kind of they kind of fell off a little bit when they hit that that slump. Yeah, they're they're in the cellar now. Actually, believe it or not, they they've fallen on some hard times over there. But yeah, you shoot under thirty percent one night, and then they shot over forty five percent the next. It's absolutely crazy. It's like it's like the men's team a few years ago. Literally shoot them up, sweet them in the streets. That's how it rolls here. So, what are your thoughts on the upcoming games? I, I think they're going to be both big tests. I think they'll split. I think they'll lose at St. John's. I think St. John's is going to want to get revenge for that last game. No, was able to squeak out the W at home and like a little bit of a mild upset. But I think St. John's has kind of found where their their niche now. And Seton Hall, they're not, they're towards the bottom of the Big East. They're four and nine, and they're sub five hundred team overall. I mean, they do have a good 
home record. They're actually 10 and four at home. So that might lead you to believe that they might actually have a, be able to knock off the cats. Two players I just want to highlight real quick for Seton Hall. Jaquan Jackson, she's averaging 14.8 points per game. Reminds me a little bit of Billy Garrett Jr. And the fact that she is an inefficient scorer, shooting 37% from the field. And then Kayla Hiller, averaging 10.7 points per game. Also not that great from the field, 33.2%. But she does average over four assists per game. So she is a seek, seek to dish it first before actually scoring herself. But she still puts up a good amount of points. So keep your eye out for those two. But I, I do have Nova winning that one and then losing at the St. John's on Friday. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on that, those pair of games, as well as all the other action going on in Villanova sports this weekend, whether it's men's basketball Women's basketball, tennis, lax. Time to dish out those lax sticks. Even though it's a little cold out still, it's always a good sign. It's like Groundhog's Day, Chris. It means spring's almost here. <laughs> yeah, if a lax bro sees a shadow, does that mean there's like six weeks of winter? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it rolls? <laughs> <laughs> that that excellent question. We should ask one of them. Yeah, we should replace Groundhog Day with the lax bro day. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the State of the Nova Nation podcast, whether you do so on, on iTunes or on Podomatic. Please check us out at viewbenchmob.com for your news and updates on all things Villanova sports. Also, please follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanziel, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, stay warm out there, stay safe, enjoy some hot cocoa, enjoy the weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.